Welcome, welcome, welcome to the podcast of The Invisible World of Jeremy Jones, where it's not so much about how to live your best life, but how to show up and live your life. Thanks for joining. All right. Well, turns out there's more than just my mom listening to the podcast. I mention that because a few of you listening to episode two about conflict hit me up and shared some of your insights into conflict avoidance. It was interesting. I enjoyed our conversations, your experiences, and it gave me new twists and turns and further ideas to turn over. So I thought, let's pull on that conflict thread a bit more. So this episode is an unexpected continuation on conflict. I titled this episode, More Conflict, Please, Part 2, Once Upon a Time. Keep that under your hat for later, okay? The once upon a time. The Taoist principle that I just love. Let's start with that today, this parable. It survives in numerous talks and internet iterations. It's called The Farmer. So once upon a time, an old farmer who had worked his crops alone for many years, one day a wild horse came to his property, and he tamed the horse, and his neighbor said, Wow, you are so lucky. What a great event. This is good. Well, the farmer said, Who knows? Could be. Then one day, the dang horse ran away. Oh, shoot, buddy. Upon hearing the news, his neighbors came to said, such bad luck, such misfortune, they said with genuine sympathy. Well, maybe, maybe not, the farmer replied. The next morning, you know what? The horse returned, but this time the horse came back with six other wild horses. Whoa! Oh my heck! What? How wonderful. This is freaking awesome, dude. You are so blessed, the neighbors said. Maybe, maybe not, replied the old farmer. The following day, his son tried to ride one of the untamed horses. He was thrown and broke his leg. How awful. The neighbors came to offer their sympathy for what they called this great misfortune. What tragedy. I'm so sorry for your loss. For your son's pain, how will you clean your fields now? Uh, who knows? Could be a tragedy. Or not, answered the farmer. Soon after, military officials came and were scouring the village to draft young men into the army and bring them to the front lines of a war. Seeing the son's leg was broken, they passed him by. The neighbors congratulated the farmer on how well things had turned out. Maybe, then again, maybe not, said the farmer. Like the wise farmer, we, we can't get tangled up and, and spun up in these stories around us. We can't let the outside circumstances in the outer, visible, five-sensory world determine what's happening on our inner invisible world. We must be careful to not label things bad or 
good. And not just because we're trying to be superhero monk Jedis, but just for the honest truth, we just don't really know if it is good or bad. We just don't know. And it's foolish to limit and label and try to frame the circumstances. We could say it's great to win the lottery, but yet we've all heard of lottery winners who have pain more frustration and then bankruptcies and family that won't leave them alone because they always say, listen, come on, hook me up. I know you're good for it. See, we already know who we are in our inner world. That's what we need to zero in on. We know we can find benefits and beauty in any circumstance. We can believe boldly that life is always happening for us. And what may look like a setback is really a setup for you to shine your star power, share your talents, and reach greater heights of enlightenment and peace. The peace with the non-peace sort of peace. No, not the peace of, whew, oh, phew, oh, no, there's no conflict today. I mean, come on, right? That's for rookies. So, Jones, what you're saying, this sounds good. It sounds like there's some good principles here. But it's a little kumbaya. Can you give me like a real world application here? Oh, gee, funny you should say that because I do have one right here. You are too small. Has anyone ever said that to you? Much more important, have you ever said that to you in your invisible world? You're too small for that friend. What could you offer them? You're too small for that job. Other people are way more qualified. You're too small for that business. You're too small to make that podcast. What insight could you really offer? I mean, you're not even that funny. You're too small to help your teenagers. They're way too wild for you. How did anyone even let you have kids? You're too small to have world-class health. That's for other people that actually look good in spandex. Not me. I'm just, you know, little old me. And while we're at it, you're too small to get out of debt. I mean, if you weren't such a loser who made a fixed amount of money every month, then yeah, maybe then, but you're too small. Glory and riches, baby. Yeah, it's not for me. But a full stomach, that dream can happen. Because I'm small. Okay, now, here's the application. And I think this is probably becoming obvious that I'm a big Denver Broncos fan. So let's look at their football team. Do you know, do you know who Philip Lindsay is? Well, Philip is born and raised in Denver, goes to a big local Denver high school. And what does he do? He breaks all the high school rushing records. And if you don't follow football, that means rushing is he's the running back. He takes the ball and he carries it and he runs through the blockers, through the conflict, tries to advance the ball as much as possible. Turns out the guy's pretty good at it, right? So he breaks all the high school rushing records, then goes to the college of his choice, University of Colorado, CU as it's known. CU is a top football program. It's a Division I Pac-12 conference football team. What does Mr. Lindsay do at CU? Yep, 
you guessed it, he crushes it. I mean, he's like Martin Luther King Jr., right? He has such a big why, such clarity on his dream. For him, it's, I have a dream that one day I'll play in the NFL. Over and over again, he's rehearsing his dream ever since he was a little kid. Well, at the end of four years at CU, again, again, he breaks all the school records for rushing. This guy is addicted to breaking records. He keeps facing the conflict of people trying to tackle him, steal the ball, crush him. After such a historic high school and top college career, he's done everything in his power to make the NFL because that's his dream. The NFL Combine is held. That's what they call the NFL tryouts for rookies. And it's an invite-only tryout. And Philip Lindsay doesn't even get invited. They said, listen, Philip, how do I tell you this? You're too small, bud. It's, it's cute. It's cute what you've done up to now, little fella. But this is for real men. You're too small for the NFL. And yes, his body is small. But you must judge a person by the size of their heart, not by the size of their strength. Philip Lindsay, he's only 5'8", 190. I mean, that's like me. I'm 5'8". Well, with shoes on. After all his effort, he wasn't even invited to tryouts. Man, what bad news, right? How unfortunate. Maybe. Maybe not. A few months after tryouts, it's time for the NFL draft, and he's still hoping. He's still thinking, listen, I broke records at my college team. Surely, surely I can get drafted into one of the later rounds. A handful of teams were calling and expressing some interest. So the draft comes, and he's watching round after round passing by. He does not get drafted. All the teams passed on him, even the Broncos, his local team, his dream job, pass. How awful. Such misfortune. Cue the withering depression. Well, the old farmer would say, maybe, maybe not. And Lindsay? Oh, he's pissed. He's emotional. He's crying. He's coming to grips with the dream ending. His family sitting around him as the draft officially ends, wiping tears. He gets a call from the Broncos 15 minutes after the draft ends, and they say, listen, man, we're still interested. Please come to our tryouts as an undrafted player this summer. He tells them he'll think about it. He gets off the phone. Aw, hell no. You kidding me? They passed on me. I'm tired of people telling me that I'm too small, which we know from our first episode. That's just an, an illusion, right? And Lindsay discovered and then rediscovered that. Sometimes we rediscover things. He knew his star power. Well, he's then saved by his mom right? Who says, honey, it's okay. It's okay. You know who you are. You'll just have to prove it again. Call them back and sign up for the Broncos tryouts. He does. And he's, by the way, he's living in his parents' modest basement, their basement, as a college grad. He's making no money, but he's so rich. So rich in confidence, hope, and faith. He makes the team. Not only does he make the Broncos team to become a professional footballer, he beats out the other guys. He starts the first game. 
He starts ahead of the, all the other running backs, including one that they drafted in that draft that he missed. His first game, he runs over 100 yards. He scores a touchdown. Turns out, by the end of the season, he did so well, so well that he was invited to the All-Star Game, the Pro Bowl, as they call it. One of only three players in history to make the Pro Bowl while being an undrafted player. Huh. Just like the Taoist farmer parable. You broke records? How amazing. Maybe. Maybe not. You didn't get drafted. How sad. Tragic. Maybe. Maybe not. Who knows? In all the interviews I've seen, he said the conflict of not being invited to the combine was one of the best things to happen to him. Right? It gave him such motivation, such passion to prove everyone wrong. See, it wasn't a setback for him. It was a setup for his invitation to the Pro Bowl a year later, followed by millions in a contract. He didn't follow illusions around. He followed his heart. He didn't follow outer circumstances. He followed his heart. We can live by the perspective that everything in life is happening for us. I don't get no's. When I'm at an intersection on my path, look, it's either going to be a yes or, hey, there's something else better. The combine wasn't a no. It was a, hey, Lindsay, there's, there's something better. The Pro Bowl in this case and a big, fat, juicy contract at the end of the season. He's like Yoda from Star Wars. You know? Oh, judge me by my size, do you? Well, watch out. Last episode, we talked about the conflict in the sun. Remember that? And we talked about how the seed germinates in the ground and how it flourishes by being buried in the friction of the dirt. Well, I was recently at the nursery picking up some flowers, and the lady there said, Now, once you plant this, you should cut off the flowers. Uh-huh. A good one. She, she must have seen my eyes rolling because she's like, No, I'm serious. It's important. The first year you cut off the flower bulbs so it drives the energy back into the roots, strengthening them. People don't do that, she said. They just, they just want to see the flowers. It's the easy way. They get caught up in less conflict. They don't want to see what could be if they pruned. They don't go for the potential. They settle. Lesson learned, yeah. Don't settle. Don't do it. Don't settle for anything less than, hey, can't see my flowers right now? That's okay. I'm putting my energy into my roots. Don't settle for anything less than the truth of who you already are. Believe in it boldly. Boldly. Like the plant, we may need to cut off some good things in order to get to even better things, to stronger roots, to bigger bulbs later. You should see the ones a few years later, she said. They're not even comparable. So many more flowers. It's striking. It really got me thinking. It was a good day at the nursery. All right, let's switch gears. Let's switch gears. Picture yourself laying in bed. Close your eyes. Do you see it? See your pillow, your wall, 
when you wake up and you're looking at your ceiling and you say, hmm, all right, I'm waking up. Let's see, what do I have today? Now, if you've been like me, I sigh. It's like such a relief. I'm laying in bed. I'm previewing my day. Ah, yeah, it looks clean. No messes. It's easy. No big conflicts in the docket today. This is going to be a great day. But is it really a great day? Or is it just going to be an easy day? Am I confusing easy with great? Am I confusing fulfillment with ease, with lack of conflict? Right now I'm watching this show on Netflix called uh, Madam Secretary with Taya Leone. It's a recommendation for one of my buddies. Very well written. So anyways... um, that got me thinking about life in the White House. Uh, Madam Secretary, she's the Secretary of the State. When she wakes up in the show, I imagine it's much like the life of the president. Now, if you don't like the current president, picture the one that you do. I'm just talking about the position, not the person here. But imagine the president. I mean, every day is conflict day. right? Remember that movie with Bill Murray, Ground, Groundhog Day? It's like Groundhog Day, where every day is the same. It's like... Good morning. Here's the conflicts today. Good morning. Here's the major conflicts today. Good morning. Here's the major conflicts today. Hi. Good morning, Mr. or Mrs. President. Let's see today. We have massive civil unrest. We have police departments getting defunded. We have protests and looting in these eight cities. Uh, We just received a threat from North Korea. They'll be bombing us. Uh, The U.S. debt deficit, the deficit is spiraling radically out of control. Probably no social security for the next generation. Uh, we deterred an assassination attempt on you yesterday. Our Navy SEALs in the, in the peninsula were attacked by pirates. Two U.S. abroad students are being held for ransom, and there was just an earthquake in L.A. Uh, we're uncovering rampant fraud from the recent PPP bailout loans. Um, we've lost millions of dollars. The environment, environmentalists are protesting outside your window right now. So, uh, yeah, good morning, sir. Here's your orange juice, your toast. It's going to be a great day. Oh, every day's the same. Here's the briefing for today's global, social, criminal, economic, and political crises. Conflict after conflict. And here's the kicker. Like, these people in these positions, they're signing up for this. Are you kidding me? It got me thinking. When I'm laying in bed and I'm seeing I have no conflicts for the day, am I sometimes hiding out? Maybe I'm trying to hide and be invisible and dodge the conflicts. What if, what if we woke up and said, oh man, that's it? Are you kidding me? I need some more conflicts. That's all I got. What else can I run into? It's time to make things right with my spouse. Time to do something about this job I don't like. Pay something on this debt. Apply for a new job. Call my long-lost relative from years ago. Where can my strengths, talents, creativity, passion, and ideas be used to help conflicts and help as many fellow travelers here in this journey? Remember that Siddhartha Guatamo story from the last episode? Quick recap, Siddhartha was the rich, tall, dark, strong prince who intentionally gave up the money and the palace and went to be a beggar, intentionally sought after the conflicts, found 
enlightenment created Buddhism, right? That guy. Conflict creates. If that's true, if you believe me that conflict creates, like two cars are going too fast and they crash, something will be created. And there's a conflict that my teenager won't talk to me. And my spouse treats me like a roommate. Or the Broncos are going to play the Chiefs. Or conflict in the elements colliding in nuclear fusion of the sun. It creates, creates light. If that's true, let's say that's true. Conflict will create a result. You may not like the result, but nonetheless, don't you want to have a say in it, to try to redirect it, to steer it? Of course, it may not always go how you want. You may either uh, remember, you can change it, accept it, or leave it. And sometimes leaving, leaving it may be best, but you can decide. You can take charge. Listen, I'm the master of my house. Conflict, you are my guest here. I see you. You're welcome to be here. I want you here. But you are a guest, and when you leave, I'll be the one escorting you through one of these three doors. Change, accept, or leave. I gave the Siddhartha example that when he pulled up to the stoplight and he saw the beggar, instead of just giving the guy 10 bucks, which is still something, right? It's not like he said, oh, shoot, babe, a 10? Don't you have any ones? Instead of the next level, 10 bucks, he went to the next level, said, hey, dude, it's your lucky day. Here's the keys to my Tesla. It's all yours. Like what Siddhartha did by giving up all his possessions was not out of excess. He was like, listen, I'm a generous guy. I actually have a lot of money in the bank. I don't want to brag, but I'm pretty much a baller. In fact, I was wanting to upgrade to the new model anyway. I got sick of this color. So it's yours. Enjoy it, man. Which, I mean, come on, that's, that's still huge. I mean, that would be on the front page of any news feed, right? Man gives away his Tesla to a beggar, news at 10. What Siddhartha did, yes, he gave, he gave the guy his Tesla, which is, wow, I mean, who does that? It's like his Siddhartha Oprah moment on the corner, you know? You get a car, you get a car, you get a car. But, but then he said, actually, w- will you let me, like... Can I be the one to hold up the cardboard sign? Can I trade you? I I must understand your conflict. I want to be on both sides. I want to be humming peacefully along with my fleet of Teslas. I I got the sedan. I got to get the Cybertruck. I got to get the Roadster. I'm okay with that. I'm okay with that as long as it's in balance, as long as I have the yin-yang. So I have space and room for everybody because I also want the conflict and the subsequent balance of saying, yeah, I don't need things. Again, nothing wrong with them. They're just things. I don't need material outer world possessions to have peace because I believe so strongly that everything I need is already in my invisible world. Like Siddhartha asked the question, not just, hmm, you know, I want to see what it's like from the beggar's perspective. But he played with the question. You know, could being the poor, simple man actually, like, could I actually be better off being the guy who's holding the cardboard sign? And I guess he didn't just ask the question like me. I mean, he walked the talk. 
what benefits are there holding the sign? Maybe your gratitude increases. Maybe instead of, man, how am I going to keep up with the Joneses, the bigger house, the new car? You know, mine's really so old. I'm, I'm due for a new car. Trust me. Uh, maybe it's, wow, the sun is shining beautifully today on the street corner. I'm so grateful to see how the beauty of the human heart is so apparent. All these strangers who keep rolling down their window to give me change. People care. They don't even know me. I am so blessed with greater compassion for this because, it, I mean, it's embarrassing to hold up the sign. I feel like such a failure. I wonder if that's how people feel when they hold up these signs. The application. Can we look at the conflict we are experiencing and be curious? How might I actually be better off because of this? If we were in the same room, I would stop the train and we'd chat you can hit pause right now. Do it. Like, okay, you just got a speeding ticket on the way to work today. How might you be better off because of that? Your spouse said, hey, I'm ready for a separation. You don't have the money for that house renovation you want to do. Okay. Okay. How might you be better off? Let's take a breather here. All right. Let's change gears a bit. Once upon a time. Oh, story time, right? The stories we tell ourselves. Remember I said earlier to keep that under your hat? Bedtime stories. Read a once upon a time story. What bedtime stories do you tell yourself? Once stories. They go like this. Once I get out of debt... Then once I make that hire in my business, once I get that new client, once my kids start school, once summer is over, once we get a vaccination for COVID, once I sell my house, once I get $1,000, then uh, could you imagine Dave Ramsey, financial peace, right? you get $1,000, that was cool. But then it's like, once I get $5,000, and then you do that, and you're like, well, once I save up 10000 once my 401k hits this amount, then I'll be able to do this, that, the other. You know, once I this, once I that, once I lose the weight, watch out, bikini, then I'll look good. Then I'll be happy. You know, once I get divorced, once I get married, once I get that raise. I can't believe Jimmy got that raise. Are you kidding me? Jimmy. Once upon a, a time, when I get that new Navigator SUV, when I get the house with the pool, once upon a time when my kids are all grown up with successful jobs and the spouses and two and a half kids, once I just get that one surgery, once I gain a little more muscle, lose the weight, right? We don't need any material image. Fine, fine. Already have a Tesla, fine. Well, how about once I get a Bugatti, right? See, we can ramp up these stories all day long, all day. So where does that put us? How much time a day do, do we put into these once stories? For me, too much. Don't lose your today, spending it merely to chase tomorrow, because tomorrow doesn't even exist. Are you telling yourself once upon a time stories? I know I do, too often. What do you think? 
Are you like, well, listen, Jones, it's not wrong that I want this or that and work for it and progress. I mean, it's human nature to progress and seek the next level. And I would say, you're right. I'm, I'm a fan of indoor plumbing and the progress we make. Listen, I agree. I'm saying there is peace in yin-yang balance or in the scientific vernacular, we would say the Newtonian law. For every action, what? Right, there's an equal and opposite reaction. That's what we need in our invisible world. We can manifest that principle. So if I'm going to tell myself a story about how once I get this relationship out of my life or once I fix things up with my estranged relative, once I have a baby, once my kid moves out, once I change jobs, once I move to the next house, think of your situation. Make this listening count. Say it back to the phone. Come on. Try me. I won't judge. Whatever. Say it. Connect with your invisible world. If you're actually taking the time listening, then make the time to apply principles on your scenario. Otherwise, why listen? If you are telling yourself once upon a time stories, then you need to see invisibly the opposite reaction. Yes, once I want this or that, but also see the other side, the the opposite reaction. Once upon a time, everything's just okay. It's just fine right now. I'm at peace right now. Make space for, don't worry about tomorrow. Tomorrow takes care of itself. In truth, right? tomorrow doesn't even exist. Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. No. They don't even worry about tomorrow. And look, I love a good once upon a time story off. Oh, yeah, for sure. They lived happily ever after too? What? I mean, that's sweet. That's a sweet story. And we may not even be master storytellers yet. But at least at minimum, we have awareness that we are telling ourselves these once upon a time stories. You know, we watch them, we know. And we remember, they're just stories. It's not about what happens in our life that matters, but it's about what we tell ourselves, the stories we tell ourselves about what's happening. Something about me, I'm not sure you know, but I love country music. One of my favorites is, um, as a memory I have, when I went to this Garth Brooks concert with my wife, he played a song I hadn't heard. I've decided to spare everybody additional pain. I don't want you to stop listening to my podcast, so don't worry, I'm not going to sing. I'm just going to read these lyrics from the Garth song. Listen to him sing it, right? Trust me, even if you don't like country, it's worth the time to pull up that, your app and type in the song, which is called Standing Outside the Fire. And listen to the live version, too. It's on the 25th anniversary edition of the album. Here's the lyrics right here. We call them cool, those hearts that have no scars to show the ones that never do let go and risk the tables being turned. We call them fools who have to dance within the flame, who chants the sorrow and the shame. That always comes with getting burned. But you've got to be tough when consumed by desire because it's not enough just to stand outside the fire. We call them strong, those who can face this world alone, who seem to get by on their own, 
those who will never take the fall. And we call them weak, who are unable to resist. The slightest chance love might exist. And for that, forsake it all. They're so hell-bent on giving, walking a wire, convinced uh, it's not living if you stand outside the fire. Standing outside the fire. Life is not tried. It is merely survived if you're standing outside the fire. There's this love that's burning deep in my soul, constantly yearning to get out of control, wanting to fly higher and higher. I can't abide standing outside the fire. Take inventory now. Do a quick audit. If you can't think of big examples, just think of just today. Just take today. Where did I just stand outside the fire today? What conflict of fire did I avoid? Where was I hiding out trying to be invisible? Where did I ignore my soul today? Did I not wake up early and work out again? Did I not make time to paint, to work on my book? Did I stay home this weekend again instead of knocking out all the planning and the logistics to create that weekend getaway at the lake I've been wanting? All right, listen, grab a pen, write this on your forehead. Hang it on your mirror. Ready? Slow down the little, push that little playback button on your phone because you want to slow this down and hear this part. Remember in episode one, we talked about, you know, being made out of a star to be a star. I would rather be ashes than dust. I would rather that my spark should burn out in a brilliant blaze than it should be stifled by dry rot. I would rather be a superb meteor, every atom of me in magnificent glow, than a sleepy, permanent planet. The function of man is to live, not to exist. Thanks to Jack London for that. Conflict is alive. Live with it. Streak across the sky in a brilliant blaze. Are there going to be hurts and pains and anger and confusion? Loss. Yes. Yes, that's why Rumi said, the great Persian 13th century poet, he's one of my favorite. I love that dude. He's clutch. He's clutch. He said, you have to keep breaking your heart until it opens. The wound is the place the light enters you. So good, so good. That's money, money. The pains that you feel are messengers. Listen to them. Try this. Try this if you're suffering from some nagging pain that won't go away and keep wrestling with it and rolling around and fighting with it. And when it keeps getting stronger, even against all your great best avoidant techniques, there's that thought again. Oh, that pain. Oh, that. Oh, you're too small voice. Just invite it in your house and say, at minimum, say, what do you want me to know? Why are you here? Then just listen. Say that, minimum, and you will feel the chokehold loosen. You'll breathe. And then later, the answers and resources you need to tap will be more and more clear. And eventually, you'll be able to be like a tree and let the dead leaves drop. The guest will move on, in the front door, then out through the back. You might even be grateful they came because you needed to hear the message, and they were stubborn, and they kept knocking on the door until you opened it and heard the message. Think of the struggle, 
and of, of a couple that has a conflict with infertility. Right? They're like, I'm not trying to get glory and riches. I mean, this is noble. I'm trying to bring a baby into the world, to our family. It's painful. Month after month, the period shows up instead of a pregnancy test. Every month, no baby for you, no baby for you. It's so confusing. There's medicine, wild drug, hormone, expensive medicines, and then those terrible, huge needles you have to stick in your butt. Why can't this just happen for me? Your coworker comes in the next morning complaining about how they had to stay up all night with a baby. And luckily, you catch your hand before it slaps them, right? Your heart hurts. You cry spontaneously at the sink, in the car, laying in bed. Try saying to that messenger, what do you want me to know? Why are you here? That I'm sad. Okay, why are you sad? Well, I'm sad because I have so much love in me. Like this love I'm supposed to give to a little baby. Maybe, maybe not, says the farmer. The messenger keeps reminding you that you have this love. That's why you feel the pain. Maybe that infertility setback could be a setup to give that incredible love to an aging loved one, to a neighbor, to a friend, to a nephew, to a foster kid. My mom was a foster kid. Like Steve Jobs created Apple, foster kid, right? Well, now, maybe after all this, maybe you've changed. Right? You might be worried if you don't have enough conflict, right? Like, oh man, I got to get me some more conflict. No, so maybe you're laying in bed and you see those big set of conflict waves that are going to be rolling in. And instead of, oh no, I'm going to get pummeled, you can say in your surfer voice, you know, you'd be like, totally sweet, man. Yeah. This looks kind of fun. Those waves are going to create something. I want to ride them the best I can. I'm ready for it. I have skills. I have talents. I have strength. Like I boldly believe in myself. I, I boldly believe I can give everything I have to all these travelers and life around me. Like in the Bible, right? When it says, think it not strange concerning the fiery trial, which is to try you. Right? Don't be surprised when the conflicts come. They're supposed to be there. Right? You're supposed to grab the wave, to paddle to it to surf it, to enjoy the ride, paddle back out. Don't wish only for constant, helpful tailwinds. But have peace knowing whatever the, the directions the winds are tossing you around, like you're the captain of your soul and you can turn your sail and use any wind as a setup, not a setback, right? If you don't get invited to your NFL tryout, Ask, hmm, okay, what might this be setting me up for, right? What might this infertility conflict be setting me up for? Remember the Taoist farmer parable. Be the observer. See invisibly what happens. Is this good? Well, honestly, I don't know. Maybe, maybe not. But may I believe that all things are working for me in my life. I know my desires will be answered with yes or, hey, there's something else better. Yeah. Yeah, I like that story. I like that story. I think we're done for today. I'm honored you joined me. It's a conflict, right, to put all these episodes together, but it's just so fun. So fun. 
And oh, one more thing. Take a chance on yourself today because the world needs who you are meant to be. So be it.